Welcome to our Saturday conversation, Saturday simulcast, I should say, from the Purdue, thanks to the Purdue Union Club Hotel, Boiler Up Bar. They're probably having a drink or two after the Boilermakers' 31-24 victory over 21st-ranked Illinois, um, and uh, and a big one for Purdue at that. A uh, lot of storylines in this game, guys, uh, and uh, Tom, you're uh, indulging us from the Memorial Stadium press box, I assume, and uh, uh just when you count Purdue out, uh, they come back and reel you back in, as they say. But a uh, great win for Jeff Brom's uh, program. Yeah, that completely team wrong, by the way. Over a ranked opponent on the road. There's nobody that, that knows movie quotes better than Brian Newbert. I don't want to get off the rails here off the start. but I, I, I missed it. I, I know it's a, a Sopranos line. I apologize. But go ahead. No. No, not no, Sopranos. No. It's, 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 it's the Godfather. It's Godfather. Is it two or three? Oh, you're thinking says, of the impression of Michael Corleone that Silvio Dante does in The Sopranos, which is an exaggerated, okay, uh, okay. all right, <laughs> exaggerated mock. And I know of, my Godfather pretty well, but go ahead, Mr. <laughs> Dean Hart. Answer what are you away. talking well, about. I tell you, I mean, what what a stunner, right? I picked Purdue to lose, I think twenty seven to twenty five. Coming off the last two games, that Wisconsin Iowa at home, it was looking bleak on on many different fronts for Purdue. Aiden O'Connell wasn't sharp. Uh, I don't think Jeff Brom using Maccabee enough. The, the issues in the secondary are well documented, the big plays and whatnot. And the turnovers were, were, were sprouting up everywhere as well. And, boy, Purdue got it buttoned up today. I think we talked, guys, maybe you and I, Alan, on Tuesday about how when this team has its back against the wall under Brom, we've seen time and again an ability to respond to adversity. And you got to tip your hat. I always talk about that's how you're defined in life, how you respond to adversity. And Purdue certainly did, guys. You look at the resume of this Illinois defense, what Purdue did went from a statistical standpoint was pretty impressive. The, the what the 31 points, uh, uh 379 yards balance, Maccabi had 100 yards rushing. On and on you can go with the plaudits. They made plays in crunch time. And guys, none no play was bigger, right? Than what that that fourth down pass, I think fourth and nine to TJ Sheffield to get that last first down to set up the field goal. My goodness. I mean, that that's what it's all about. Remember, guys, two years ago during that COVID game, they had to have a big, I think, third or fourth down catch from David Bell to ice the game. And then they delivered another big play today to, to get to bowl eligibility and, and probably more importantly, of course, to stay in the thick of this Big Ten title race, which really could be crazy the next couple of weeks. Yeah, Iowa, Wisconsin going at it as we record. Iowa still ahead. I think if you're a Purdue fan, you want Iowa to win that game because Iowa still has to go to Minnesota, and they have they both trade games between Minnesota and Nebraska. But the Wisconsin's got the better schedule, having to go to Nebraska, but having Minnesota at home. But who knows, Brian? Uh, how do you how do you uh, summarize, uh, justify, reconcile, whatever term you want to use, uh, what you saw at Purdue today? Uh, well, I, I I thought that Illinois was bound to come back to earth because I thought they're hey I think they've been doing it with smoke and mirrors all year anyway and I think that the Mi- Michigan State game last week was kind of a indicator that uh you know the emperor was about to show himself <laughs> to have no clothes and yeah um, uh, I thought Purdue played okay uh today I didn't think they played their best game but I think they played the way they've been playing and you know when it's not Iowa and Wisconsin and you're not falling behind with disastrous yeah. turnovers 
Uh, and, you know, Purdue was a little bit fortunate in the sense that they let two golden scoring opportunities early get away. Uh, and also uh, there was an interception that was dropped and there was an interception that was wiped off by a, by a pass interference call that could be debated uh, if we mm-hmm. want to debate it. But I'm sure Purdue it will be debated. Over it's debated uh, but I think Purdue kind of got through the first half, you know, and then uh, obviously did everything they had to do in the second half. I think this was very similar to the to the Maryland game, a little bit similar to the Minnesota yeah. game. Uh in terms of Purdue just uh, being just good enough. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, certainly Aiden O'Connell and now a, a, a option quarterback made a couple big plays there, though. He reminded me, I, I the only one, I think Tom and I, you talked, you and I talked about, and who would remember this, the 2014 game when the great Austin Appleby ran that option well and they went at Illinois. I think Appleby's still a better runner than O'Connell, but O'Connell made big plays. And to his credit, I still, I know he's been maligned by some. I know he hasn't, uh, uh, though he had three touchdowns and one interception, only 237 yards passing today, but he spread it around enough. Uh, and like you said, TJ Sheffield makes a big play. Payne Durham's been making big plays much of the season, but they found him at the right time and Charlie Jones as well. So, uh, all right, where do we go from here, Tom? I mean, you got Northwestern and Indiana at home, two games that you'll be probably, you'll be a double digit favorite, I would think. Uh, for next Saturday's game, which I think we'll have a time for that game around 8 p.m. Eastern t- on Saturday night. Uh, then, of course, Indiana comes uh, uh, always a tough game. But uh, this uh, and the scenario, too, obviously, that uh, you can still get to the Big Ten championship game. But more importantly, it's really a chance to end the season. Eight wins looks a heck eight wins in the regular season looks a heck of a lot better than seven. Eight and four looks better than seven and five, I guess. Is my yeah, point. Six and three right now with a chance to finish. Um... Um, is that right? No, six and six and four right now with the chance to finish eight and four. Right. And, um, yeah, Purdue's obviously got to take care of business. Then I think hope the winner of Wisconsin Iowa today loses a subsequent game because Purdue has no tiebreakers against either of those two teams. Um, I guess that's a real, real simple annotated version of maybe what Purdue has to do to get to Indianapolis. Before I turn the page, Alan, you know, Devin Mockabee. Yeah. Russian game. He's not doing this against Indiana State and then Alcorn State and uh and 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 you know Missouri State. He's done this against at uh, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Nebraska, and now Illinois. A couple of those on the road. Uh 28 carries today. I think that's probably a season high for Mike. Yeah. Uh, catching the ball too. I know he had a drop early on, but man, I tell you what, when when Jeff Brom got near the goal line, Mockaby got the ball and um this was this was a Devin Mockaby kind of a game, and for, for Purdue to finally have a back of this ilk helped them win the game. Look at Devin Mockaby's counterpart. How much hype did we hear about Chase Brown all week? The nation's number one rusher didn't have a hundred yards today, guys. He had ninety eight yards on twenty three carries. Probably the first time he's been under hundred yards this season. I'm guessing it has, yeah. Well, that was that was big too, right? And um, but again, you got to tip your hat to Mockaby. You talked about Aiden O'Connor a little bit, Allen. Um, bounced back from what had been a rough couple weeks here. Like you said, his numbers weren't glowing, but they needed the balance today in this weather. It was cold. It was a stiff wind. It wasn't as windy as last week at Rossade, but it was still windy coming out of this the northwest here across the field. Uh, so again, they managed this 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 foul weather game. And, and found a way to win it, which was a nice confidence boost. And, and Jack Ansel, the punter, you, you never talk about those guys, but I thought he had a pretty good game too with 
with some of his punch. So there's yeah. plenty of backs to pat after a game like this uh, that has everybody smiling again, of course, and, 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 and all possibilities are back on the table after what had been a pretty dreary, like I said, two or three weeks here. Yeah, you know, you go, Brian, you're going to walk into the Northwestern game next week. There are still some tickets left, as we understand that. But, you know, it becomes a huge game. I mean, at least in terms of getting where you want and getting to a, again, and we'll start to talk about bowl scenarios. That's now that Purdue is bowl eligible. <laughs> I, I would argue that, uh, and we'll get to our guru friend, Jerry Palm, on that probably this week at some point. But, you know, you win eight games. Uh, if you get to Indianapolis, you're probably going to do no worse than a, a good Florida Bowl. Uh, if you pull the upset of the century and win the Big Ten championship, you're going to do no worse than the Rose Bowl. I, I know that that's silly talk. I'm not saying that's going to happen. But OK, I haven't been drinking this afternoon, but I am saying that this is a that this is what's ahead for Purdue. And Brian, you know, that scenario with what Jeff Brom, uh, you have to give a lot of credit to the fact that, uh, again, getting counted out and and they got some calls at the right time today, too. And, and that was helpful. I, I, I think that's true as well. But uh, all this ties into um, a really interesting scenario and what will be an interesting next few weeks, not only on what goes on in the field, but everything with with respect to Purdue football. Yeah, that's a question, know. Brian. That's a statement for I, you I don't, to, to respond I don't know who to, counted them out. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, everybody, I, I, I thought people were talking about the Big Ten West title before Purdue had even played well. You know, and yeah. I, um, I thought that, that that was something Purdue still had to earn. I, I thought they took a step in that direction today. Obviously, I, I think yeah, you know, no that, doubt. That, that fourth quarter, everybody on down. I think, I think Aiden O'Connell. You know, Aiden O'Connell is not having a great season, uh, has not had the sort of season I, I know he probably wanted to have, pretty wanted him to have. But, man, he was good in that fourth quarter. That touchdown throw to Payne Durham was big time. Oh, yeah. That fourth quarter throw to, to T.J. Sheffield was was, was enormous. Uh, and, you know, I think quarterbacks are defined, you know, as much by what they do in those winning moments than they are um, you know, statistics or whatever else. And I think in those winning moments today, he did the same thing at Syracuse and then the game got away afterwards. But I think this was kind of a moment for him. I, I think he had a, a big fourth quarter. I think the defense had a big fourth quarter after they obviously, you know, as, as much as much maligned as that defense has justifiably been after that first, after that first Illinois drive, Seriously? um, which was simply a product of the fact that Purdue expected Illinois to run and Illinois threw. And that's, I think that's all it was. Um, I think, I think the defense was pretty good today. I think they were really good in the fourth quarter. I think Jalen Graham came up enormous. Uh, that play by Lawrence Johnson where uh, he deflected the ball that, that Kieran Douglas intercepted enormous play. Uh, you have to give them a lot of credit too. Yeah, no question. Oh, yeah, yeah, really. Yeah, yeah. Five, Go ahead, Tom. Five, five three and outs today. And as the offense was sort of sluggish in the first half, the defense kept turning back Illinois when they were leading seven nothing. Remember, Illinois kept getting the ball back with that seven nothing lead. Mm-hmm. And the Purdue defense kept taking yeah. the field. And finally, so they, they were kind of just holding the serve for the offense until O'Connell and company sort of got amped up. And you guys talked about the penalties. Brian had a tweet at one point and said, I'm almost surprised when there's not a penalty on a play. And it certainly seemed like that today. Didn't it? 12 penalties for 121 yards on Illinois, six for 80 on Purdue. And I think Illinois guys had five 
pass interference calls on them. I thought it was more than that. I thought it was like seven. I don't know where I <laughs> got that number. Uh, Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. My, my well, and Purdue's penalty yardage, I was going to say Purdue's penalty yardage, I think they got credited for 50 on the one on the kickoff, right? So The total, uh, the, the total statute shows Purdue with uh, with uh, four, sorry, four penalties for uh, 179 yards for Purdue. So that seemed way off. Maybe I'm no, yeah, I think it was 70. Um, but whatever it was, and my point is that there's Purdue was inflated a little bit because of that kickoff uh, penalty as well uh, that played into that uh, just a little bit. But yeah, you're right. It, 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 I thought Purdue got the right, the right calls at the right time, and yet to maybe also from the penalty guides, it, it came yeah. back Purdue's way a little bit. Fans were booing loudly. Believe me, they were very upset on. on yes, on they a, were. Calls. You guys probably could decipher that through the TV. It did yeah, go both and, ways. Uh, I thought that there were yeah, some. Yeah. I mean, that I, I, I thought there were a couple of 50-50 calls that went Purdue's way, and there were a couple. I, I still don't understand how, on the first down completion inside the red zone, I don't understand how a ball just pops out of a guy's arm like that without any contact, and that's called a completed pass. Um, that just didn't make any it sense to me. Should have been, like you said, Ryan, it should have been, been, been. They should have met in the middle and called it an incomplete yeah. pass. I thought yeah. there was a personal foul on Devin Mockaby uh, in the red zone that was obvious that they didn't call and some of that stuff sort of offsets a lot of what, what the, the, the Illinois people I'm sure are very upset about because there were a lot of flags that went against Illinois. And I asked Aiden O'Connell after the game about that. And he says they play a lot of man coverage. And when you play man coverage, a lot of times guys can get grabby and your receivers yeah. come back to get the yeah. ball and the defensive back may grab you. So he thought maybe the, the, the defense that Illinois is playing, yeah. you know, it's, it's going to lend itself maybe to, incurring some of those penalties well that's been Purdue's deal too all year they've had so much man-to-man they've had so much so many situations with guys on islands Jamari Brown there uh that interception that got wiped off where the ball would have had to have gone through him to get to the receiver uh he was in position to to knock that ball down ended up pushing off so he could intercept the ball gets called for pass interference that that's what we're talking about here you got guys just out in space on islands and um, you obviously have to be a little bit more aggressive when you're all by yourself out there. You, you know, there's not somebody coming over the top for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's just kind of, kind of the nature of man to man. And yeah, that's what Illinois is doing. So uh, that that's, you, you're going to be more subject to that sort of penalty than you would be otherwise. Yeah. Pen- uh, Illinois throws for two, DeVito through for 201 yards. I don't know whether Purdue changed some things schematically defensively also in the secondary, I had a couple of people tweeted me saying that they thought that the football guys had thought that that was the case. I don't know. That'd be a good question. But also, yeah, Illinois, at least according to the stat sheet, I'm looking at 12 for 121, Purdue 6 for 80. But again, Purdue had a couple of those on that kickoff uh, assess that, that tied into that yards. Purdue did not kill itself with penalties, even though 80 is not a small number in penalty yards. I asked I asked Jeff Brom after the game about the defense. Brian talked earlier in this in the simulcast about the first drive, it was like hot uh, uh, hot knife through butter. The defense got things button, buttoned up, and Jeff Brom talked about it. Branson Dean did, too, afterward. He says they, they just really simplified things this week. Got back to basics, make sure guys were getting lined up right. Didn't try to do 100 different things. Don't want guys overthinking things. They want them to be able to just to play fast and react, not have to think and process a lot. And, and, and there can be a lot – to be said for that type of philosophy. So I think maybe that was, that was part of really what maybe helped the defense play better and just, just play looser and free guys. And 
Yeah. And we talk, we always talk about big plays. Big plays always win games. And Illinois didn't have a lot of big plays. They had four passes of over 15 yards, three over 20, and they had three runs over 10. Their longest was 18. So remember last week, the 75-yard touchdown run that killed them? Purdue really never really got gassed for that, that big chunk play that resulted in a touchdown uh, or just many big chunk plays overall. And, and that really helped the defense out, made Illinois have to really earn everything it got. And Purdue got some good pressure on Tommy DeVito as well. And uh, again, the defensive line. And you got to give also go back to the offensive line. Yeah, the uh, old line. Doing the job. Uh, uh, you know, two crucial penalties. Yes, yes, Illinois had lots of uh, PIs, but they also had two false starts that were really. One didn't end up hurting them because they got the false start and they threw the touchdown pass, but yeah. another one did. Uh, again, give Purdue credit. That hasn't been a factor for, for Purdue's offensive line very much, if at all, this year. So sacked by Corday Sidner. Yeah, and Sidner just continues to make plays. I mean, it's, it's interesting. How about Cole Brevard showed up in a couple of big plays? Branson Dean, I was going to ask you, Tom, any other injuries on the backside? I know that they usually don't know much. Branson Dean came back in the game. He did. He did. Uh, Chase Brown, of course, for Illinois, looked didn't look good for him. Uh, but any, I was just curious to whether any anything else jumped off the page of you from an injury standpoint. You know, Clyde, Clyde Washington got helped off the yeah. field. I'm not sure if he ever came back. I, I didn't really look for him again. But nobody I'm aware of, Alan, um, that I was tracking aside from, from Dean. But – We'll obviously find out more early next week. So at least from this quick view, it looks like they came out pretty much unscathed here as far as uh, any real damage to their the, the key players, at least. All right, Brian, last word from you on, on this and putting it into any level, any additional perspective you want to bring. Yeah, Purdue's got to win these last two games now. Um, yeah. Because they, they, they've put themselves in position to be in position here. And, you know, these are some of the highest stakes games Purdue has, has played. Uh, you know, obviously the season's not been a straight line for Purdue. If Purdue does end up winning the Big Ten West, it will not be the most aesthetically pleasing uh, championship season known to man. Um, and I don't say that to take anything away from Purdue. I'm just saying that uh, that's kind of the reality yeah. of it. But you've got two bad teams here coming up. You've got you've got everything to lose. They've got nothing to play for. It, it's it's you just have to show up twice and and play well and keep getting better. I mean, I'm, I'm, I know I'm saying that with two regular season games left, but I think it, it continues to be true. Uh, Purdue, you know, was great in the second half, but they got away with three turnovers in the first half. As I mentioned before, one of them got picked, one of them got dropped and one of them got wiped off by a PI call. That was that, I, again, if we want to sit here and have a long form debate about, we can, but <laughs> Purdue still has to get better at some of the things that they've not been so great at here, even when they've won. Uh, during this Big Ten season. so uh, But Northwestern and Indiana are both games you ought to win. And at this point in the season, with all that's on the line right now, are games Purdue needs to win. All right, Minnesota beat Northwestern today 24-3. Indiana loses to Ohio State 56-14. Both those teams played on the road uh, today. And you're right. I, I couldn't agree more. You've got to – you just got to hold sort of don't give Northwestern anything easy. Um, you know, Pat Fitzgerald's teams, I think at least from what I was watching, continue to play hard. You just gotta, you just can't give anything to those, either one of those teams. If you do that, I think you have a good chance of winning. So, and that's, right, what's, guys, uh, that's Tom, what's concerning is that some of the things you're struggling with are precisely the sorts of things that can breathe life into a team like Northwestern. Yeah. If you throw that's picks, right. you know, if, if you, uh, miss tackles, 
all of yeah. a sudden give up cheap touchdowns for teams that can't score. You know that that's that's how you end up sw- you know sweating bullets at the end of games you should win you know relatively comfortably yeah, on paper well, yeah, anyway. I think just just watching the Ohio State with Northwestern game. I know in the weather. But uh, that should get Purdue's attention in the first place. All right, guys, we'll let Tom get back to work and make that trip uh, back to West Lafayette. Uh, drive safely. And I think those beef house rolls will be waiting for you somehow on I-74. We'll try to work that out for you. But thanks again, uh, gentlemen. Have a good rest of your Saturday evening. We thank all of you for watching and or listening to this. We enjoyed doing it. I want to thank the Union Club Hotel And, of course, a reminder, we've had a wonderful uh, transition to the On3 network, and a lot of folks have come over. It's a dollar for the first year. All you got to do is go to goldenblack.com and subscribe. We will make it worth your while, we promise. And uh, we've been thrilled with the the response. There you go. One dollar U.S. It's a U.S. dollar. That's all we're asking. And uh, again, we're we're pleased with the early numbers, but uh, you can still per- still participate. If you can't find us again, just go to G O L D. That's G O L D A N D B L A C K dot com, and uh, do that. And of course, we also want to thank the Union Club Hotel, the Boiler Up Bar, the uh, Eight Eleven Bistro. It'll be hopping next weekend for that uh, uh, Senior Day game. Uh, and home season finale against the Northwestern Wildcats. Time TBA, we should know shortly. Probably by the time you listen or watch this, you'll know. But uh, anyway, thanks so much, and we'll see you next week with our Saturday simulcast after that Purdue-Northwestern game.